You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So John chapter 2 is where we are today. John chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. Uh, and this is the very first miracle that Jesus does according to the book of John. John is a, a story that tells us that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. That's the purpose of the book of John, is to focus your eyes that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he is of a different category, a different type than anyone else. And so last week we talked about the calling of his first disciples. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Guys, stop following me. Right? I was preparing the way for someone. I didn't even know who, but now I know it's this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. Go follow him. And so his disciples left him to follow Jesus. They, in turn, brought some more disciples. Uh, and Jesus is beginning to gather a following around him. One of his new disciples, Nathaniel, a man who was skeptical of Jesus at first, um, lived in a town of Cana. And Jesus goes to his hometown today in John chapter 2. And this is what it says in the Bible. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. That would be Mary. And Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, the first thing as you read this story is, oh my goodness, if I call my mom woman, what would have happened to me in this situation? Mark Lowry, a Christian comedian, says, you must be the son of God to call your mother woman, right? You must be something different to get away with calling your mom woman. Well, it seems disrespectful, and it does. By the way, children... Don't try this at home with your mothers, right? Don't, don't, don't take this as a, uh, I have, a, I have a, 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 a friend of mine who does this to his mother. Don't, don't do that, right? Don't be that person. Uh, it, it would be disrespectful today, but in that time when the Bible was, was being composed, when Jesus was living, this wasn't a disrespectful sort of like borderline slur against his mother, right? It was just a recognition of her gender, right? So, so, so. Yeah, lady, what, what, what does this have to do with me? Jesus is pushing back against that. But the first thing we see in this, once we get past the, oh my goodness, he called his mom a woman, the first thing that jumps out to us is, is there's a problem in the world in which Jesus is residing. Right? There is an issue with the world. Now, they were at a wedding feast, and we're Baptists, so we have grape juice at our wedding feast. Um, but, but, but back in the day... Right? They would have this thing called wine. I don't want to give you too much information about wine. I believe it's just grape juice that's been left on the counter too long. Okay. In fact, I know this is the case because I went and gave communion to a lady in our church. Um, it had been about four years ago now that I went to her house. She was a shut-in. And so I went and I took her communion. Uh, and it was in these uh, grape juice packets that, that are communion cups. right? Uh, but they had been living in my office for like a year and a half. Uh, and a year and a half old grape juice uh, gets, gets a little sharp, just a little bit of a sharp thing. And so, so I'm taking communion with this wonderful older lady. She's gone on to be with the Lord since then. Um, and I'm taking communion with her. And, we, and I think Bob was there as well with, with me at, the, at this one. We, 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 we take the communion. I was like, 
Oh, now that's, 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 that's extra special communion right there. That's, that's, that's Methodist communion we're doing right now. I don't know what's going on here, right? Um, right, and so wine is a celebratory drink. And Jesus' culture, wine was, was everywhere, right? And Jesus uh, consumed wine. Uh, I, I have no issues with you consuming um, alcohol. I have issues with you over-consuming alcohol. Um, the Bible has issues with you over-consuming alcohol. And if you have issues with that, you should set up some guardrails to protect yourself along the way. I don't drink. Um, it's not part of who I am, but I'm not here to tell you not to. In fact, Jesus seems to be someone who does partake from time to time in different situations. He's at this wedding feast. And there's this wine, and that's what makes the feast go on. And a Jewish wedding took uh, a week at a time. This wasn't like our weddings, uh, which are overdone by my standards, which take like 20 minutes in a room like this, or in a barn now, apparently, uh, and then like four hours uh, at another barn uh, with dancing and shouting and stuff. They take that party, that, that's like a half of a day party uh, for, for our weddings, uh, and they stretch it out over a week's time. And so running out of wine... Uh, was a pretty big deal because that was the primary beverage that they were serving to their guests. It would be like running out of any beverage. And so there was nothing for them to drink. There was nothing for them to wash down their, um, you know, their fruits and their cheeses and their breads as they were going about the day. And it was a great embarrassment to the host of the wedding. Because the host put on the wedding at their own expense, and so they would provide everything that they thought would be needed. And maybe the wedding was bigger uh, than they anticipated, or maybe the people were thirstier than they thought. But something happened, and their plan didn't match up. Maybe you've had this before, right? You prepared a meal for someone, uh, and then like all of a sudden you look over and you're like, whoa, we are out of food. How, how did we run out of food? It, 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 you start to feel embarrassed, right? You're like, I thought... I had everything that we would need, and now uh, people are going without. So there was this great moment of lacking inside of this situation. So Mary, who observes this somehow, goes to Jesus, who she assumes can fix this problem. Right? Jesus has never done some miraculous sign that we're aware of by this time. But her, her, through her faith, she knew his backstory. She goes to Jesus and says, hey, there's a problem that's going to lead to great embarrassment. Can you fix it? this problem and he says my time hasn't come yet and that idea is like my time is not for me to take i don't get to choose today to reveal myself as the the, the god of the universe i don't get to choose today to display miraculous signs i work on someone else's timeline i like that about jesus by the way is that he doesn't take things on his own time he submits himself willingly to the Father. He says, I work on his timeline. If that was true of us, our lives would be a little better, by the way, because we like to work on our timelines. I'm ready for this now. I want this now. And we don't want to wait on what God wants to be done, right? And so Jesus says, my time hasn't, been, hasn't come yet. Basically saying, it hasn't been revealed to me that I'm supposed to fix this problem here yet. But Mary, through faith, says he, 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 it's his time. Maybe she knew, maybe she understood something that Jesus hadn't quite been sensed from the Father. But she said to the servants, go and do whatever this man asks of you. Whatever Jesus says, you need to do. The first point that I want to drive out of this passage is I want you to know that the world that Jesus was living in was struggling. There was something that wasn't quite right. There was a shortcoming 
in the world, and there is a shortcoming in this world today. Jesus solved a lot of problems, but there are still problems today, and we become very at home in a world that is very broken. This is the great danger of the Christian church, especially in an area with limited to no persecution, is we become so satisfied here that we don't worry about the shortcomings of the world around us. We're happy, we're healthy, we're not persecuted, we're generally well taken care of and well regarded. And so we just comfortably say, I'm not going to pay attention to what's going on around me that may not be right. And I want to tell you, God is asking you to use your Holy Spirit-guided eyes to see the world for what it is. This world is, is, is broken, and there are shortcomings everywhere. There are cracks inside of our culture. There are holes inside of our families. There is brokenness all around us. And you might be happy inside of the, the fenced-off area that you have chosen to live in. You might feel that your little world, you can cubbyhole off and you have a postage stamp of safety and security, but God is asking you to see beyond that and to see the brokenness of the world around us. There are shortcomings that need to be addressed in the world today. In Jesus' day, the shortcoming was an embarrassing lack of wine that would bring shame to the owner of the house, the host for the party. Right? It was going to be shame in that moment. And Mary saw the shortcoming. She saw what was going on, and she engaged herself in it. She didn't just say, I recognize a problem and step back. Right? She didn't see the train going down the track and be like, oh, that looks like that's going to cause an accident, and not get involved. She, she ran to the one who could fix it and said, can you, can you get involved here? Will you fix it? Verse 6, it says, Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding between 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw out some and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, we and did not know where it came from, though the servants who drew it knew the master of the feast called to the bridegroom, and he said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. Uh, and then when people have drunk freely, then they give them the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This was the first of the signs Jesus did at Canaan Galilee, and he manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And after he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, they stayed there. For a few days. So Jesus uh, is brought this problem. He says, it's not my time yet, but something happens between when Mary leaves uh, and, and the stone water jars are brought to Jesus. God has revealed to him, let's use this opportunity to manifest your glory. Let's show your glory to the world around you. Let's show what it is that makes you uniquely the Son of God. And so they bring these six stone water jars, and these are not like your little, like, you know, little jar. It's 20 to 30 gallons, right? You got those 55-gallon drums. Cut one of those in half. That, that's what you got right there, okay? It's, 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 it's a big, big pot of water. These were used for 
um, purification rites. They would have ritual bathing that, that you would do in the Jewish culture um, to maintain um, purity and ritual cleanliness according to the Old Testament law. And so there was a very like set, stat, uh, set way in which this had to be done. You needed a certain amount of water and it had to be poured in a certain way. Um, and stone jars couldn't become polluted. And so they were always able to ma be maintained uh, as clean jars, uh, biblically clean jars. And so they bring him these jars, uh, and they're massive stone jars. I can't imagine trying to lug one of those filled with water, by the way. That sounds terrible. Um, they bring the stone jars to Jesus, uh, and then Jesus says, fill them up with water. They fill them up to the brim, uh, and then he says, now go take a spoonful of that, put it in a cup, give it to the guy. And the guy takes it, and he says, whoa, this is the good stuff. And I, again, I don't drink wine, so I don't know the good stuff from the bad stuff, right? Um, some of you may, my brother is a wine guy, like he goes to Napa and does like little tasting rooms and whatever, like that's wonderful and great, and I'm sure he has a very well, um, like, honed palate. He, he can taste subtle hints of oak. By the way, I feel like if I was ever given a glass of wine, I would swirl it, and I would sniff it, and I would sip it, and I'd be like, and I'd be like, I taste a, a hint of oak. Right, because I feel like that makes you sound cultured, right? But 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 whatever. Like like some people, they, they really know. And this guy, the, the host, uh, he could tell the good stuff from the bad stuff. Everyone in that day could tell the good stuff from the bad stuff. By the way, because it's what you drank, um, right? It's like drinking rancid water or clean water. You can tell the difference pretty quick. Um, and they had already gotten. Uh, you know, usually, what you do at a wedding uh, is you give the, the the good stuff first when people are still like have sharp senses. And then as their senses become dulled over the course of several days of drinking wine, um, you can kind of begin to slip them lower quality wine. And they don't really care because like it's still, still wine. It's still okay for them. Um, but this is the inverse has happened. Whatever it was before, which was probably fairly good stuff as well, um, was, was, was not nearly of the quality of what Jesus delivered through this, this miraculous water to wine thing. I've seen a, a picture, it was like at a Kroger somewhere, um, and it, you know, it's like the wine aisle, right? But someone had flipped out the sign and it said water, and it, where it should say wine on the little thing up there at the top, and it said Jesus has been here, right? Like, like, I was like, yeah, that's pretty, pretty clever right there. Jesus has come by and turned all of this uh, into wine. But what Jesus did there was like he used these servants who had no idea what was going on. To, to, to deliver himself glory and to save face for the man who was in charge of the wedding. Right? He used regular people who don't have any special qualifications. We don't know any of these servants' names. They're not recorded here for posterity's sake because they really are faceless, nameless people. But they're used by Jesus to do something God-sized. And God does that. He takes normal people... He engages us in what he is already doing. Because God does God-sized things. And he says, you know what? I'll let you be a part of what I'm doing. You who don't have any special qualifications. You don't have any special education. You don't have any special reason that I should choose you. But I'm going to take you and I'm going to use you because I will get glory when you are able to do something through my power. And so God, Jesus empowers these uh, servants uh, to draw the water, to pour the water into a cup. And we don't know when the miracle happens. Uh, we don't know if the miracle happens in the jar, in the spoon, or in the cup. But whenever the miracle happens, the servant is involved in the process. 
See, that's the way God works in the world. He asks for you to get involved in what he's doing. Right? Could God break into the world uh, and, and do some sort of miraculous sign outside of any human intervention? Absolutely. But that is not the way he chooses to work in the world. He chooses to use you. He chooses to use his church. Right? We are the bride of Christ, the, the, the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And he calls us to be the people who meet the shortcomings that we see in our culture around us. When we see where the gospel would fix the brokenness of the systems around us, God doesn't just say, stand back and watch me work. He says, you go and work, and I will empower you as you work. If you get outside of your comfort zone, if you push beyond yourself, if you engage yourself in the messiness that is this world, I will empower you moment by moment as you work to make the world more like me as you seek to make the world a better place as you seek to world to make make the world a more gospely place a more jesusy place i will work with you i will empower you to do things that you can't do i will show you how to love people who you don't love i will i will make your your 10 cents go for ten dollars i will stretch what you have to places that you don't know. Water is inexpensive, but Jesus turned it into priceless wine. Right? He doesn't need much to do a lot. He asks for you to give yourself. And if you'll give yourself to Jesus Christ, to doing his work, to seeking his kingdom come, you will do amazing things through the power of God. Right? This is the story of what Jesus is doing at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. He brings himself glory and honor through accomplishing these miracles through ordinary means and ordinary people. And the quality that, he, that, he, that is exposed there is of superior nature. In fact, the work of the church should always be superior in nature. We should never settle for good enough. Right? We should never be like, well, that was better than the church down the road, so I guess we're doing okay. Right? No, we should always be seeking excellence. The idea of finding some standard up here that measures off of what God desires for our lives. We say, we are going to shoot for that standard. Anything sub-excellent, we aren't happy with. We're not pleased with mediocrity. Right? Even if our mediocrity is better than someone else's best effort. Right? We are constantly pushing for something better. And it's not arrogance or pride. It's honoring to God. Because God is an excellent God who does excellent things. He takes water and turns it into the finest of wines. He's going to take your life. And if you'll allow him to, he will use it for his kingdom benefits. You have the opportunity to be used by God. It's not just people like me, as if I'm something special. It's not just guys who have set their lives aside to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's you. In fact, most movements throughout the church have started with yous, not me's. It started with the church as a whole getting together and saying, we are going to do this. We, we see the shortcoming in our society. 
We see the fault lines that have fractured our community, and we're going to engage in those fault lines. Then it's not for social justice purposes, right? We're not looking to solve racism today, right? But we see racial cracks in our society, and we see that the gospel uh, is a solution to that, and so we push the gospel in there. We live the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ, that Christ died for sinners, and that the world is broken and lost in sin, but he died for the broken and lost, and he brings us to eternal life. We will believe in him, and we use that message to transform the world that God has placed us in. You are not here by accident. You did not stumble in to Rockdale, Texas in the year 2021 by accident. The place that God has put you to work is not a coincidence. The fact that they allow you to work there, despite your maybe great desire not to be there, is not a coincidence. God has placed you in very specific places. The address that you have, the church that you call home, the community that you dwell within for his purposes. And Jesus called to the servants and said, go, draw the water, take it to the man. And because they were obedient in that moment, Jesus' glory was revealed. If you'll be obedient in the moments that God has given you this week, this year, this day, then you will be bringing glory to God as well. Lost will become found because you will be faithful. Guys, our church has to do a better job at finding lost people and showing them Jesus Christ. I mean this 100%. We have to do a better job of taking the lost people in our world and showing them Jesus Christ. We're doing poorly at it. We're not doing mediocre at it. We're not doing, you know, okay, could be better. We're doing a bad job at it. That'll start with me, and it continues to you. We have to do better. There is a lost community that I live within that needs Jesus Christ. There are, there are, there are, there are teenagers, there are children who need Jesus Christ. We have to do a better job at introducing them to Jesus Christ. There are senior adults who need Jesus Christ, and you have to do a better job of getting them Jesus Christ. Our community is broken and fractured, and the gospel is the answer. But we're so comfortable. Right, we're so comfortable. This was a good year. 2020 was a good year for the finances of First Baptist Church Rockdale. By the way, I don't understand how that happens. It's a good year. Everything worked out okay. All the checks cleared the bank. Bills were paid. Things are looking pretty good. Attendance has been okay even after the, the coronavirus. We're okay. Life's okay. I'm here to tell you it's not okay. The, the, the metrics that we should be measuring by, they're not okay. I'm going to give you a, a quick, just one example. You know how many people we baptized last year, 2020? The answer was zero. That was the answer. Zero. Zero people. Not one person, not one child or adult walked through the waters behind me. Not one. How does that happen? Well, there was a virus. We didn't have service. People were scared. We didn't have vacation Bible school, so we lost out on a huge evangelistic outreach there. 
I'll tell you how it happens. Really, though, we fail. Here, there, we fail. Not one soul was, was, was I mean, that, that may, that may be someone who trusted Christ through the ministry of this church. I don't want to say that. No one was baptized, though. No one took that first step of obedience after belief in this church last year. Not one. Guys, we've got to do better. Starts with me. Like my focus this year, I, I went to bed uh, at 1.30 a.m. on January the 1st, and I thought, we have to do better. This is not sustainable. This is not honoring to God. So we're going to honor God this year, guys. You're going to get engaged in what God is doing this year. You're going to find an area where God is working through the brokenness, and you're going to join up with Him this year. Because we can't have another year like last year. I'm not talking about viruses or you know, shutdowns or craziness that went on in the world around us, elections, none of that garbage. I'm talking about we can't have another year. We don't impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do we do? What do we do? Why? So I have some frustration right now, guys. It's all here, by the way. If you feel like it's on you, it's not. It's here. It's me. Like, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Like, I have failed y'all. And I'm sorry. Because God wants to do something here. We didn't do it. And that's me. But we can't do this again. I'm not up for a rerun of this next year. This year. Praise God. This year. I'm not up for a rerun of this. Jesus asked these people, get involved in what I'm doing, and I, and I will do something miraculous through you, and I'll get glory. Where are those opportunities today? Because the world, guys, is lacking. It's lacking. But Christ has empowered his church to make it complete. So we need to find the areas where it's lacking. And we need to influence the gospel into those areas to make it complete. Guys, we've got to do better. You have to do better. I know this because... have to. We have good news to share to a world around us. And we can't redo what we did last year. God is calling you to something bigger, something better, something miraculous. And if you'll play your part, God will get glory, and you'll get to stand there and watch what Jesus has done through you. What a wonderful position that is to be. Let me pray.